0: What's good? What's good? Welcome back to another yo, episode yo, of Unapologetically up? Black, Never Broken, Always Empowered. I am Brittany, joined by Rich. I'm actually here today. I know you guys miss me or whatever. No, um, they don't. <laughs> guess they do. <laughs> they don't. What, what's good? What's good? Um, and we are being joined today by our guest Brock Gaines. Thank you for joining us, the homie, the brother yeah. from another mother, the the
1: chesty puller of his generation. Y'all know I'm just throwing shit out there, but <laughs> y'all, y'all know who this man All is. He's going to be a living legend. I promise you.
2: Man, That's I appreciate so nice. you, bro. Appreciate you. Glad to be here. Glad to be on. Thank y'all for having me. Thank you for inviting me. Um, this is a great opportunity. I really appreciate y'all having me on. Oh, man, thank you for coming, mm-hmm.
1: Uh, you know, and, and, and gracing us with your time and your presence. I know, uh, believe it or not, I know Gunnies get busy. Senior senior leadership starts to get busy and I know y'all got a lot of knuckleheads like the young me running around <laughs> y'all got to yeah. stay on top of but uh do we do thank you for coming out um and giving us your wisdom um and your foresight on stuff so we're going to end out our veterans month this month with uh my brother Gunshar and Brock Gaines. um how how you feeling today man we always we always do a check in with a mental health check in how you feeling today man
2: man i'm feeling good um Definitely in a good place, good spot right now. Um, Definitely locked in just with life itself. Um, I'm in routine, which is good. Uh, I'm big on routine as far as uh, with my day-to-day and my week-to-week. So being in routine is huge for me. So I don't feel off balance, which is great. Um, Sometimes that happens, right? And sometimes you get that little friction here and there. But right now, I mean, I'm pretty locked in. So I feel good, and I'm glad I had a little bit of time to – Yes, chat with y'all, so yeah, I'm great. That's weird, man, because I live in chaos, which is weird.
1: Like, my life isn't going good unless it's chaotic. Like, structure yeah. is boring. And I'd I be like, I got to do the same shit again today? Like, I get bored of that. Chaos can yeah. thrive, thrive. I thrive in chaos. How you doing, Britt? I know that you're not supposed to be here, but because yeah. your husband is doing workly and husbandly things, you know, he can't make it. So, exactly. I have,
0: to, I have to pull the military spouse uh, duties today. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm well, I'm well. It's, today was a long day. I was working, working. I think this is the most work I've really put in remotely from my home for hours at a time in front of my computer. Uh, I probably shouldn't say that out loud, but that's the truth.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
0: you know, some people be
1: watching. Right. <laughs> Not
0: gonna say boss is watching. <laughs> it's nobody's boss. I've been putting nobody's my work in. It. I but I have been. I've been working. Um and so yeah, I was I'm I was tired. Like even before the show, I'm like, let me just doze off for like twenty minutes. Um, but mm. overall I'm well. Holidays are coming up. Uh, Julian's birthday is two weeks after Christmas, so we we have to get it mm. ramped back up and get it together. So yeah, we're good here. We're
1: good. How you feeling, Rich? That's good. Uh, I'm not going to lie. It's been a long day, but it's been an aggravating day. Not because of work or because of children, but because of landlords. And We're going to get into realtors and real estate, but because of fucking landlords <laughs> and laws that protect landlords from doing the shit that they do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, man, I like I told you, I've been moving this for the last two weeks. I've been fucking moving because I've been too lazy to go get a U-Haul. But I've been moving myself in my truck the whole fucking two weeks. And per the 60-day notice that got converted into a 30-day notice out of fucking nowhere. uh, Even in the 30-day notice, I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. Like, we're out. We got the place, you know, we got the, you know, place that we're in now. Um, But I'm cleaning up the house. So that way, you know, there's no cleaning fee. As we're cleaning, she's coming in and legit has a U-Haul moving her shit in as we are cleaning. Not like afterward. No, as I have trash on the floor, she's bringing in her fucking bed and fucking couch into the house. I'm like, yo, first mm. off, I pay rent till the first. Right, so the whole month. Even if, even if nothing else was to transpire, I still own this place until the 1st Mm-hmm. Right. Even with your... Six- but I was so aggravated with it and I was so done with it. I'm like, yo, like, I'll never lease from another person again. Like, that's just... I'm mm-hmm. not nah. I'm good because yeah. I think the rule is dumb in the first place. You set, and I'm gonna go off on a tangent, but y'all be okay. <laughs> you set a lease contract right. or say, hey, you're gonna live in my house, I you're gonna pay me rent. Right? And I yeah. say, Okay, cool. Now, as a as a person that's renting, if I violate the lease, or if I'm like, nah, I just want to move out, you'll be pissed off as a landlord. Like, motherfucker, we signed a contract. Like you supposed mm-hmm. to pay me for this, this. But if you want to move in, don't matter what you you can, motherfucker can be in there for a month. If they're like, hey, I want to move back to my house. They can inconvenience the fuck out of you. And be like, yeah, we're just going to give you 60 days to move out. And they'll be like, that's it? Like, what about the contract that says I'm going to pay you like, right? And all this other shit? Nah. They just like, nope. at least in the state of Texas. I know some states have it where they can't do that. But in the state of Texas, if they own the lease or if they if they own the property, if they sell it or they want to move back in, they should be like, fuck it. And I think law should change that shit. Now, I think it's different if you sell it. What? No, not even. You shouldn't even be allowed to sell while you have a tenant inside of it. If you right. want to sell it, you make sure that it's at the end of the tenant's lease. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you're inconveniencing the person that's there. And you, you won't give them their deposit back until after they've moved. thirty, And you have 30 days till after that to give it back right so you're rid of you're like you're putting one family in a bind because they don't get their money back until later and you're making them leave in 60 days you don't mm-hmm. know what people got saved up you know luckily i'm well off enough to be able to you're rich do these type of move i'm i'm i won't say i'm rich <laughs> i but, mean uh, as in I'm, you know
0: i yeah, play on you know. words your name
1: I, you know i just i got if i need to call those at RDI financial i'll be good you know what I'm saying? right right just to throw a little plug inside of there uh you know but and I, I just think it's so mean and just tacky to just inconvenience people like that like imagine if apartments did that they're like hey, yeah. hey look we're gonna have somebody else move in we need you out in 60 days mm-hmm. you're like what the fuck so that's my tangent for the day other than that i'm good uh Kids is good. We got Christmas shit up already. Um, I'm listening. I've been listening to see, uh, Christmas music all year. So Christmas music don't really.
0: Yeah, don't get me started on the Mariah Carey. Uh, you don't strike uh, me as the type to listen to Christmas music all year. Me? But CeeLo Green is You're not favorite. that cheerful. <laughs> I, feel like, what? I feel like you have to be cheerful. I wouldn't call I am, you cheerful. I am definitely cheerful.
1: CeeLo Green's Christmas album. Tori Kelly's Christmas album. The Temptations Christmas album, Whitney Houston's Christmas album. Mm-hmm. Like well, first off, Mariah Carey's Christmas album is not even top five. But that's for a whole nother fucking conversation. That, that's mm-hmm. not even top five. I'm um, with you. So but into the discussion for the day, because we, you know, uh, so go ahead, games, man. Tell us a little bit about yourself, um, your background, what you do right now, and and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, man. Um, so <clears throat> I'm from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, born and raised, um, you know, spent 18 years of my life there doing typical high school stuff, playing sports, uh, going to school and all that, uh, made the decision to join the Marine Corps, um, started doing that, uh, picked that up, uh, ran with the food service with that, uh, been doing that for 11 years, but in between that time in um, the Marine Corps, definitely held a lot of different billets um done a lot of different things and definitely been proud of that journey. Set me up pretty well. Um, just from a mental attack perspective of how I want to go about things in life, I'm definitely thankful for that in that in that kind of realm. Um, and then also uh, I do real estate um, as a realtor and and before real estate a lot of people don't know that I was already buying a couple of properties and investing a lot of my money and time heavily in real estate. So fun um, funny little story about that is I was actually about to pick up a second job working somewhere. I'm like, man, I need a second job because I need to increase some more cash flow because I want to get more stuff. And then um, I was literally uh, walking and I'm like, you know what? this is what I like. This is what I do. Why don't I dive further into this? So I was actually about to get into uh, property management and appraisals mm-hmm. and then I found out how that went. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to jump into just being a real estate agent and becoming a member of the real estate association. So I became a realtor. And, and that's been um, what I've been doing as of late been doing that plus Marine Corps, um, at the same time. And it's been, it's been real good. Okay. How how does that, how do those
1: schedules tend to, to line up? I know Marine Corps life can be kind of heavy at times. How, do you find yourself having the ability to do your real estate stuff freely or is it like, nah, I got to really schedule it and keep this thing tight knit?
2: Yeah. So that's one thing that the, so, uh, for those that may be watching and those that don't know, uh, you know, I was a drill instructor. So that's one thing that's really been great about when I was a DI is like that was the main thing is scheduling, like literally from the time you wake up, uh, or the recruits wake up at zero four, like there's a schedule from zero four to four 15, four 30 to four forty five, So all the way to twenty hundred. So, It really taught me you truly got 24 hours a day and what you do with that and how you work that is on you. So I just learned how to um, manipulate my schedules and and get with other people's schedules. So very heavy scheduling, but learning how to stay on top of things and um, stay on task. So really, uh, it's just a good balance. And then just what it is, is a lot of people work regular jobs every single day, nine to five. You know, people don't just you know, stop their life to go look at a piece of property, like, you know, average everyday individuals. Um, Mm -hmm. So really, a lot of things actually happen after I'm off of work, contrary to what a lot of people may uh, think or believe. Like, some people like, you know, like, well, how are you doing this and this? Well, really, it just depends. Like, you know, you may take an hour of your child time and actually go sit down and eat. And during my hour of chow, you know, I may have an appointment going to go show a townhouse. You know, I just won't eat. Mm. I just get a coffee, handle that, and then I'll be back after my chow, and that's it. Or after work, so it's just balancing that that way. You know, what are you willing to sacrifice? Some people not willing to sacrifice, uh, you know, a meal. Mm. Uh You you
1: are a one of our special guests um, because you're the only one that was a drill instructor and what that lifestyle is like. Um, If you could just dive in a little bit as to what that lifestyle was like while doing it Uh, for for people that don't know drill instructors for Marines are kind of like the cream of the crop, man. It's what everybody wants to become. It's who everyone inspires. Everybody remembers their drill instructor. No one remembers their recruiter. Sorry if you're a recruiter, (laughs) no one remembers their recruiter. Everyone remembers their drill instructor or their senior drill instructor or their, their series. Like everyone remembers those guys they're the cream of the crop, it's who is what people see. Um they're the I would say they're the face of the Marine Corps. Um, outside of infantry people, but that's neither here nor there. Uh all right, talk about that man.
2: Yeah, man, being a drill instructor was um it was the best slash worst job I ever had. <laughs> and it <laughs> and it really was man, I, I tell you because it was it was truly a grind. It was, you know, the recruits came first and you had to give 100% of yourself at all times. Um, There was no looking tired. There was no, it, it didn't matter what you felt, Um, you know, that was not going to be on display. And mm. essentially, it didn't even, you know, to a degree, you know, yeah, we take care of our own and take care of each other, but to a degree it doesn't matter what's going on. Like that's the priority is recruit training. So, you talking about a rugged schedule from zero four hundred to twenty hundred, and that's when the lights go off. Everything after lights is the meetings to talk about what went well for the day, what went bad for the day, how can we do it better, what needs to be prepped for tomorrow, going to go prep that. Like so, essentially, your day ain't even really over till about twenty one thirty, maybe twenty one forty five. And then you back up again at zero three, get it ready to be there by zero three forty-five. So, and that's like that for 90 days, or you know, depending on what company you work in, you know, some people they <laughs> they break it up a little different. But when um mm-hmm. when I was when I was there, it was definitely like that for most of the most of the training cycle. And mm-hmm. um you woke up in the morning, your body felt like you know, you was just getting beat up every day. Like you stepped on the ground, like as soon as you stepped out of bed, your feet touched the deck. It felt like somebody just had like a million freaking dangum uh pins, like sticking them through the bottom of your feet, back pain. Mm-hmm. Like it was just it it wasn't a pleasant experience of from a physical standpoint, but right from um when everything was said and done, when you got that finished product of Somebody coming, you know, off the streets of New York or country of Mississippi, wherever they came from, and then they're there, and now they are a sharp, tall, you know, lean Marine, ready to go run through a wall head first. You got Mm. that, you got a true private or PFC, somebody who's Mm. instant, willing, and obedient to all orders, just super disciplined and motivated there's nothing more motivated there's not a more motivated person than a marine that just graduated boot camp <laughs> like yeah, I'm gonna tell you that. there ain't another motivated individual
0: so yeah. that was
2: like that was like the the biggest thing and I really did um love that about the job was the start of training day one and then ending um you know during graduation and seeing what they became and knowing I put my thumbprint on that product. Have you ran into any um, of your recruits while you've been in the fleet? Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, they're like sergeants now, a couple of them. Oh, yeah. sergeants. Um, I mean, I ran, I ran into them all over the place. And, um, you know, to oh, yeah, it's been a minute. On Facebook. Been yeah, the- it's been a minute. Yeah, I got off the yeah, depot yeah. in 2018. So my first push of recruits graduated December of 2015, so they've been, you know, okay. my most senior one's been in the Marine Corps for like seven years already, so yeah. and, and okay. if they've been in seven years already, and they staff sergeants, you know, they're they doing pretty good, like really good, um, so mm. um, and some of them are sergeants and stuff, but it, it's, it's been good Um, seeing them progress, you know, I follow some of them on social media and things like that, because I want to okay. keep the uh, with the next generation, and they keep up with me, so that's been good to be locked in and engaged with them. So it's been cool.
1: Okay, as as much as you can, I want you to kind of dive into what life is like at, as a black man um, in, in the Marine Corps on the depot. Um, as much as you can, uh, what how, what are some things you think? Um, could be better, some things that have happened to you that, you know, that you've seen personally and, uh, and and stuff like that.
2: Yeah. Um, well, I mean, just in general, you know, um, just with my personal experience when I was with Bravo company, um, man, I, I can't say that's that was a company where we were pretty loaded, um, with, uh, diversity and inclusion. So, and we really was setting the standard if you know what I'm saying so it was it was pretty great being there now, just as a whole I think we've uh, we've gone to we have like you know so there's a the marine Corps standard right there's your bare minimum of three pull ups and you know I don't even know the bare minimum standards that's bad because i, <laughs> I, I just I just never been up there minimum. They don't. Back. They they don't exist, bro. Like don't I don't exist. really know. I just know that's the three pull-up one just been very big, and like I think like yeah, it's the, like I think it's like twenty-seven minutes on the run. Yeah, something like that. It's just been like I don't know, but like whatever that is, I, I'm tying that in to say you have like the Marine Corps standard, right, or whatever that is, and then you have um the standard that other individuals want to set, right and when it comes to things of you know regardless of color origin background is the standard that someone else is trying to set for you now that speaks volumes on everything as a whole from being a drill instructor from being a sergeant of marines a corporal marines so What is, you know, when somebody says a sergeant of Marines, oh, you're a sergeant, X, Y, Z. So is that what the promotion warrant or is this is what you telling me what I should be, what I should be striving to be from your perspective and from what your standard is? So there's a lot of that that goes on. And I think we could get better um, really from, from our culture and then from everyone else. As well, I think we get better into having and taking what the Marine Corps standard is and applying those values to the individual and helping them get to that point and not necessarily to what that person's individual standard may be.
0: So from a societal point of view, right, um, in any industry and um, honestly in any industry and just from me being an HBCU graduate, one of the things they teach you is that as a black person, we get essentially a different set of playing cards going into society where we're going to be held to a higher standard than our white counterpart. Is, is that what you feel happens within the Marines as well? Is that something that you've experienced that you, just, you have to reach a higher standard or just a different mm. set of standards? So um, before he, before you answer that,
1: Brock, I'm gonna give you the person that's not in the Marine Corps answer, mm-hmm. and before he give you the person that's still in the Marine Corps answer, my answer would be yes. You have a whole different set of plan cards because you come in already. You already have a chip on your shoulder, and for me, I believe it's it started in boot camp. With I had drill instruction. I, I went in in 2009, and I had drill instructors who were like you're black. You're telling me that you can't run jump, do pull-ups, like all this other shit. Mm-hmm. Or they'll say stuff like, damn, you can do everything but swim. And then when you look at it, and I, at the time it's like, oh, it's a laughing joke. But when you actually look at swim qual, when we go, the only people that have failed are all black people. Mm-hmm. And so they they know stuff like, they they see stuff like that. And so then now when you get to the unit, it's instead of me just being somebody that's upset because something has happened, it's, all oh, you got that back on the block attitude. You got mm. that back on the block mentality. I've never heard that being said to a white Marine at all. The, you're back on the block. Mm. For, for us, this shit was a fucking constant phrase. So I believe that we we, we we came in and people automatically looked at us like, he's gonna be a problem, unless you looked like a nerd. So I've had Marines come in, they wear glasses, they keep to themselves. They go to they they go to PT. They go to their room. Like they don't go out. They're not going to if you're in San Diego. They're not going to uh, uh, you know L.A. They're not going to the clubs out there. You know they just PT their room. Those guys, I don't. They just tend to leave alone. But if you're somebody like me, or even worse, they keep their eye on you, and it can be a hey, you know. I got to talk to you about, you know, Sarah McClellan. Uh, what the fuck he do now? Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing. He's just checking in for the unit. Oh, shit. Right? It's like they judge you before they actually know you, mm-hmm. which could be bad if you actually fuck up something. And instead of getting that empathy that you would normally give to someone, mm-hmm. we, I don't believe, I believe we get no empathy at all. I believe that our NJP punishments are harsher. Not saying that people shouldn't be NJP, but I believe our punishments are harsher than our white counterparts. I believe that we are not given the second chance like they are. So that's that's from my perspective.
2: Go ahead, guys, give the the,
0: you the know. politically correct answers.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, so just just speaking from you know my experience is is that you know when I came. In And when I got to um, my first unit and things like that, it was a lot of people kind of exited out and leaving from post-Afghanistan and things like that. Um, They had a lot of stuff kind of going on. So when it came to me and the guys that I got there with, like, we were just uh, young up-and-comers. So it was – and then we were all – we were all minorities. So – um, we were just trying to progress and, and get there together. So uh by the time I got, you know, my sergeant, um, which I did actually have an experience when I was in Twenty Nine Palms, CACs. Sergeant, um Sergeant Perry, uh, definitely uh so he's he was like that great leader that I was like, wow, you know, I'm gonna um, strive to be like him from a leadership uh perspective. But yeah, I mean, I was uh out in CAX in um or EMV and, you know, it was this guy named uh Sergeant Baratran and it was um he said something to me that was pretty negative and basically in a nutshell um, he said something to the effect like he would pretty much like Fuck me up if I um, says whatever to him. But basically, one of his Marines came up to me um, during that time, and I'm like, Look, the CO said we can do this. And basically, the CO said we go to the Warriors Club. And then, so this sergeant told his Marines that they can't. And I'm like, Well, the CO said we could. And he said he would you know, fuck me up in X, Y, and Z. So I was like, and that's what his Marine told me. I was like, good to go. So I went to my sergeant, who was a, a white guy, told him about what happened. And literally, he took all of us. We went down there. And, like, he handled that shit boss style. And I was like, man. And he's like, if you got a problem with gangs and you come fucking find me Other than that, then I don't think we got shit to talk about. And I was just like, wow that was insane. Like just seeing that happen. So that was, that was number one. But then the other thing too, is like, when it comes to like a statistical thing, sometimes that's really what it is. That's what I figured out very early. Like it's a really a statistical thing. Okay. What can I score on this? What can I score on that? You know, so scoring this on the fitness test and scoring this on the range and scoring, like, it's a scoring system as you're coming up. Well, when we were coming up, they have JPEs now. It's, it, it worked kind of similar, but we had pros and cons. So on your proficiency marks, you knew if you hit these up on the proficiency side, your PFT, your CFT, your rifle and all that other stuff, that's going to give you a certain amount of points. And then conduct, that's a little kind of, that's a little kind of, um, you subjective. know. Subjective. It's on the individual. So, but get if you got great conduct markings, then you hit that cutting score. You know, once you have that compiled cutting score, then you make the next rank. So, once I figured out that from the ranks of PFC to sergeant, which I was meritorious in a couple of those. So, it was like once I figured out that, that helped me jump pretty quick. And then from there, it's all evaluations. And I've been. I've been graded pretty fairly. It's it's all a thing of how do you stack the deck, how you look good on paper. But going back to what Brittany said, you know, how how did I further separate myself? I mean, I was a staff sergeant with a college degree, martial arts instructor. I've done, you know, I had a four-year college degree, like, you know, from an accredited university. Um, I've written a book. I've read multiple books on the reading list. I've done a lot of these different things. I've even went to Naval War College PME. So I've done a lot of things to further widen that gap. So all I knew is when it came time for me to get a look for E7, there was no doubt in my mind. Like I knew that was happening. I just needed somebody to look at my record. I knew that was going to happen. Um, and, and again, too, it's, it's about what you look at like the outlook of what others are doing. So if I'm seeing all the E8s and E9s trying to get these things done before they retire, why am I going to wait? So i seen that as an E5, and I'm seeing E8s and E9s trying to do college before they're retiring, that's telling me something. And then when I got further insight and knowledge, like, okay, they're trying to line up for a job. They're trying to line up for a government position. They're trying to line up for better pay or trying to match the pay that they had while they were in when they get out. I need to be doing it, too. I don't have to wait. And, again, prioritizing my time. And that's another thing that I learned early on. So, yes, the the decks in all that we do are already stacked against us uh, in -hmm. general. Like in all that we do, that's already there. It's all about can I take this hand and how am I gonna play it? So cause some people you can have a you can have a load of hand when it comes to spades and if you don't know how to play, I'm but you know, you're gonna look across the table and like dog, what are you doing? Like mm-hmm. so you know, cause you costing mm-hmm. you costing a thing. So but you learn how to play that hand, you know what cards are dealt. I mean. Hey, right.
1: it's willing and dealing at that point, right? And I, and I I get that. Uh, I do. There there is a lot of self accountability that a lot of people have to do. Um, I just feel like again, it's it's more of that second chance type yeah. of deal where you know if I fuck something up, you know,
0: oh yeah, if we I fuck it up, up
1: they're up, more they're more willing to, up, to be like, oh, pretty oh quick. quick. You
2: know, we yeah, we yeah, got people like up. It. Pretty quick from in, in the Marine Corps. Now I, I I will say that like we have a kind of a no defect mentality, um, where your career can kind of be going down the drain pretty quick for something that could probably be very very minor and lightly minor the... as fuck. Yeah, and it's like oh well, and depending on certain factors, like yeah, once they find out, that's it. They and they already want to run you anyway. You, I mean, that's just what it is, and, that, and, and that, certain things in your career. And that, that's why I like when
1: people are like, "Oh, you know, I'm going to do 20 years." And I'll tell all the every young Marine says that they are like, "Yeah, I'm going to do 20 years," until they do two years and then they realize, "No, the fuck, I'm not." <laughs> no, the fuck, I'm yeah. not. Because what happens is, even at 10. So I got out at 10, and they were like, well, "You only had 10 left." I'm like, "10 years is a really long time to fuck shit up.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah.
1: really long time. Considering that I can go 18 years." have one mistake and ruin the entire 18 years. Mm-hmm. It all depends on, one, what you did. Um, and then, two, I'm going to say it's where you're at and who's running the show at the time. If, you, mm-hmm. it, you know, if, if I constantly butt heads with my RO over and over again, the, the likelihood of me you know, getting away with some stuff is a lot lower. Um, right. you know, but it just depends on who's running the show at the time. But I just feel like when our white counterparts do the same, you know, they're more likely to be like, all right, don't do that shit again. Like, you know, you're not gonna get a stellar fit rep, but it's not gonna be an adverse either. Don't do that shit again. Where us, it's more like, oh yeah, no. Nah. Is there is there a reason I can give you an adverse? And now you have to change my mind from there.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think the worst part about that is um, when you do have a tainted military career, it literally affects the rest of your life. It's yeah. not like any other job you have, or you might have, you know, a code of misconduct or whatever. They let you go, and you you move on and and do the same job somewhere else. Like mm-hmm. you don't have that opportunity. And yeah. I I feel like when people are entered into that lifestyle so young, that is their first job. Essentially, they go straight into the military, like we talk about in the in previous episodes, um, that that's daunting. <laughs> that that, mm-hmm. that even, you know, leaving there and going to McDonald's, they're going to question you why, you know, why this happened in the military. Right. Yeah, right.
1: So. And it, the thing is, anything... Uh, I w- I I'll be more realistic, because a lot of people say anything other than honorable discharge is bad. But I, it, I would say anything un- other than a general, right? So you have honorable, then you have general under honorable conditions, right? That probably just means that you just got in trouble for some shit, but it wasn't bad, right? It was so but that's where the buck stops. General right. under honorable conditions. That's where the buck stops. Anything lower than that, not only is your career pretty much gone, but your benefits, you could have gotten hurt like the VA isn't giving you anything with a other than honorable. You lose all of your benefits. Other than honorable, dishonorable, bad conduct discharge, this that like all of those things, like you can say goodbye to your disability, you can say goodbye to your VA you know your GI bill say goodbye to that home loan that you thought you were going to get that's Mm -hmm. gone if you if you gave away your GI bill say to your spouse or whatever and you get kicked out you have to pay that back right you know along with the wasted time you know however long you've been in that's already been served yeah so it's it's I think I think the civilian world harshly critiques veterans when they get out Um, and I think that's something that, that possibly should be changed as well um, don't get me wrong, I don't automatically turn my nose up to someone that gets an OTH. A lot of us talk shit between each other when we get out, like, oh, what'd you get? Oh, you know, I got an honorable. If you didn't get an honorable, you shouldn't be, you know, don't say nothing on Veterans Day because you don't have a fucking honorable. When I personally believe, a lot of them don't act honorably while they're in, but that's a conversation for a whole nother fucking day. So
0: true.
1: Uh, I don't turn my nose up to those that get an OTH. It depends on why. You know what I'm saying? Why did you get it? What happened? What, you know, and I think that, that jobs and even federal jobs, oh, OTH is other than honorable.
0: Okay.
1: So other than honorable means that you didn't do anything bad enough for them to give you a dishonorable, which means that you probably didn't go to court and get told, hey, you're going to get kicked out because you know you shot somebody, you did, you've had a felony, right? So dishonorable discharge typically comes with a felony offense of some okay. sort. When other than honorable means that you just fucked up really, really bad. They can't write you a felony, but most likely it's a misdemeanor. And so you're going to get out with that. Uh, but the thing is, I think even when it comes to federal jobs, they should do a better job at the interview process of why did, why did this happen? You know, mm-hmm. why did you get the general unhonorable conditions? Oh, you know, I got into a fight at work with a coworker, right? It was just really bad. Now, oh, like, to me, I'm like, oh, that's it? am like, yeah, but they didn't want me in the unit I got kicked out. So that's what happened. I'm like, oh, I mean, that's no reason why I can't hire you here. Mm-hmm. Like, you fought him there. That has nothing to do over here. <laughs> he don't work here. <laughs> Especially if I look at your record and you don't have a history of bad behavior or if you don't mm-hmm. have a history of being violent, you just had that one fight. But in the Marine Corps, that one fight can definitely get you kicked out, depending on who you fought. If you mm-hmm. slap your staff sergeant and you're you Lance Corporal, yeah, you're most likely getting kicked out. You know, or if you're enlisted and you slap your officer, you're most likely getting kicked out. But if I try to go to become a fucking a mailman at a post office, federal job, like, what the fuck? I work by myself. I'm not slapping anybody.
0: I hope the mailman ain't going around slapping people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
1: So I think that we should de- that there should definitely be better guidelines in place for those that get out when it comes to their discharge papers, when it comes to their discharge code. I think it should be the same when it comes to enlisting to another branch. Most likely, you'll get the enlistment code where you can't re-enlist to another branch. And my question is always, what the fuck does the Marine Corps have to do with the Army? Like, I don't understand why I can't go there just because I fucked up here. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah. What difference does it make? Now, maybe, maybe Gaines, you can kind of enlighten me as to why it is that way.
2: That, I have no clue. I cannot... I cannot speak to that, but I have heard of it. Um, But, yeah, I have no clue. Um, And, I mean, sometimes we got to do, you know, sometimes we got to do, like, requests to do, you know, inter-service transfers to other branches and things like that, Mm -hmm. which some of the other branches, they have a lot of cool programs, man, that we Mm -hmm. just don't have. Um, I'm talking about everything from, uh, I mean... You name it—something medical, medically related, mental health related, physical therapy—they um, just have all that. Like yeah. you can—I mean, how cool is this? If you would have known, you can go to the Air Force and be like a physical therapy like assistant and work your way up, and then become mm-hmm. a physical therapist. Now you have something that's actually conducive to the outside world. You can transfer right. that, make a make a nice career path for yourself or if right. you have knowledge, um you know like let's just say okay let's just say you're in the marine corps and you have a degree you have a bachelor's degree in psychology you want to get your master's in um, you want to get your master's in in social work well you can go there's different programs in the army and the navy and the air force where you can go from the marine corps go to like for example, the Army has it where you could go to the University of Kentucky or uh, it's another college out mm-hmm. in Texas. You can go to, they will pay for you to go there, finish your master's degree in uh, social work and become a social, work, social worker right. in the Army full right. time. And then you're going to get paid the equivalency, so you're not going to come in as like first lieutenant with enlisted experience. No, you're going to come in at let's just say Captain O3 level with enlisted mm-hmm. experience because they have their programs will match the pay of what you would get in the civilian room Right. For having that certification. Yeah. So they, they they actually like invest in you. Um yeah. which is cool things that I I actually know. I actually kinda of looked into yeah. some of those programs, and programs. So yeah, they're they're yeah. they available, which we have to request to go, but you kinda roll nice So
1: I feel like other branches do better at job tracking, which is a thing um, where, you know, like being a cook, being able to track my hours, being able to track my positions, my billets, what I've done. Um, The Marine Corps doesn't really put that at the forefront of like, hey, you guys know you can do this, right? So when you get out and you go to this job, you have that on your resume, it's tracked for you, you gain the experience. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't really think they put that at the forefront. And I believe that a lot of the, the, the good jobs that translate to civilian world in the Marine Corps are reserved for officers. Mm. Officers have a lot of those jobs that translate to the civilian side of things, right? That's why you see, that's why I believe I see a lot of military people, uh, Marines, when they get out, they become a police officer because most of our job is policing. Most of our job is, is stuff that deals with that. Or I have to get out and go to school still because I have no experience in anything else other than, whatever my job was for the last four years. So if I was a cook, I have to get out and go get another job at a restaurant because that's the only experience that I have because no other experience that I've done is tracked. Even though I could have done martial arts, you know, I was a martial arts instructor courtesy of my boy Gaines. I was a martial arts instructor, uh, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, I've done this, I've done that. And they are be like, okay, well, you got two options, career field options. You can become a cook or you become a security guard slash police officer with the training that you've done. Mm. So
0: but- I, my question is, why do you think that is that it seems like the the information is almost like gatekept or the, <sighs> the benefits aren't explained to the full capacity of, of how you can utilize them while you're in and honestly, even after you're out? Uh, for me, for for Marines, is because our goal,
1: it, it, our goal is different. Our mindsets are different. It, we're, we we have traditional mindsets where our job is to seek, close, and destroy and, uh, the enemy. Like that's that's our job. That's what every Marine is a rifle, you no, know, regardless of your actual MOS, right? So that's mm-hmm. what we focus on: combat warfare. That's what we focus on. Where a lot of jobs in the army, like if you're a cook, you're not focused on combat. You're focused on being a cook. If you are a librarian, you know, not saying it's anything wrong with being a librarian, but that's what you're focused on. Where Marines are focused on combat and then it's almost like, for a lot of part, it's almost like combat's first and then your MOS is kind of secondary depending on what you're doing, right? When mm-hmm. you go out in theater, they're more worried about patrols and combat and mm-hmm. then like what your job is. Unless your job is a high level job where you have to do that first, like comms, um, you know, uh s1 type of stuff where you like your job is necessary to the mission but um, i think i believe a lot of marines it's combat first then their job
0: and I, i i asked that and i'm gonna i'm gonna ask the question a little differently to you um brock but um i asked that because with jamal and he's you know former army um national guard a lot of his his views on his benefits as we're learning honestly, through the podcast um, are wrong, right? And um, one of which being the VA loan and how it can be utilized and the fact that um, it can be repaid and utilized again. And these are things that he didn't know. And I know he can't be the only person who doesn't know that. Um, so with you being in real estate and um, seeing uh, veterans use sure. the VA loan and and how they use it, um, as far as the information on that, is there a reason why you think people don't know how to use it <laughs> or that they well, can't use it to even get into real estate to an extent?
2: Well, well really what it is, is, uh, you know, a lot of times. So when people are joining the military and they're going in, first thing is you going in and you like, I want a job. I want some security. That's the first thing you're thinking about the next thing from there is okay i got the job i got the security i'm a part of the organization i want to advance that's the next thing you're thinking about after that is advancing so by the time you get to and then you have everything in between your friends and going out and partying and meeting people and all these other things so by the time you get to thinking about life in its totality of how can i create some wealth for myself, how can I boost this? That's then when you want to ask the question. So, it's not really your leadership's responsibility is to help you mature, advance, become a better soldier, marine, all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. Not to necessarily educate you on your VA loan, things like that, but. Once you do want to unlock that box, then there comes many things for that. So you do get a family. You want to buy your first house and all this other stuff. That's generally when it happens. Somebody gets a family or they start to settle down a little bit and then they're like, okay, I want to buy my first house. But when you're looking at it from an investment perspective, i got two houses on a VA Mm loan. Like currently two on the same you know, like, and that's the other thing. People are like, oh, like, how many VA loans do I got? No, you have a VA entitlement. And my VA entitlement for my rank at the time was like $553,000 or whatever it was. So I got two homes on that entire entitlement that both are bringing in rent money, that both are cash flowing, that are bringing me extra income every single month. Right. And so in out of one of them, I pull like forty thousand dollars out of one of them. Not don't have to pay taxes on it or anything like that. So learning just how to like game the game and all this. Other stuff. So it, it gets really deep. But really what we have to do and what we should be doing is is once you get to a certain part or area, I advise everyone. If you, especially if you're gonna be sticking around for a while too, at that, get you a piece of property in in one of these areas that you're getting a station at, and everything like that, and, and start creating that kind of residual flow for yourself. But also think about it: if you if if rich bought a house and he did ten years in the military and he sold that house after ten years, he would have well over a hundred grand. Easily Mm -hmm. down, probably close to maybe 200, depending on where it's at, how long he had it and all that. But, you know, let's just say for everything what it's worth, you bought a home your fifth or sixth year in. Like I just in this current market where people's like, oh, well, the housing market isn't that great right now. Well, I just had a dude who had a house for three years on this house. And, you know, average neighborhood, you know, nothing too crazy. He made $130,000 off that house and he bought it three years ago. Mm. That's nice. So, and it's about movement, right? So I bought a house, I bought a house uh, about, uh, well, actually, yeah, I bought that house in 2020. That house I bought in 2020, I bought it for 230000 I put $20,000 of work into it, but this is what it's worth without all that even being taken into consideration of what actually been invested into the property. Like that house, that same house in 2020 that was worth 230000 is now worth $280,000. Mm-hmm. Like that's how much appreciate it appreciated. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and again, if I would have been hesitant, if I would have been like, well, uh, I don't know, X, y, Z, I knew at a certain point, like, I'm all in with this, right? right. So everybody finds their thing that you go in, you're after, like, you're locked in. And with real estate for our military active veterans, everyone as a whole who has this entitlement, it can unlock a lot of doors for you. Like, even if you had a piece of property and you sold it, let's just say even if you only made like 40000 50000 now that VA entitlement is reset, you made $50,000, you didn't have to put any money down. So the next right. time you go into a deal or you want to get that dreamy forever home for you and your spouse and or your family, now you don't have to worry about getting beat out because you go out on a VA deal. Now you have... Yeah, yeah, hey, we're going to do this and we're also going to put you know, $10,000, $15,000 down on this. Then that makes your offer more enticing. That makes the deal going to get done a lot. Um, everybody's going to you know, entertain you more and be like, a lot more locked in. And you just have like, a lot of more capital that you didn't have before. And you got it mm-hmm. literally for nothing. And by for nothing, I mean, you know, the conventional way most people out here when they go buy a house the lowest they are required to put down is 3.5 percent for an mm-hmm. the VA loan you literally have you don't have to put anything down nothing now, closing costs that's a whole separate thing that is taxes that's insurance that's you know attorney fees if you live in an attorney state title fees all that other stuff that's all that mortgage fees that's that's closing costs that's separate which I've gotten a lot of people you know from upwards to like eleven thousand dollars back in closing concessions eleven thousand mm-hmm. five thousand eight thousand and sometimes the closing concessions aren't even that much but they they've been covered completely so it all depends mm-hmm. on who you work with who you work for and and what they know so I've done enough deals to know. And, and being in different markets to you know, like, hey, this works, and this can work for this market. This can work for that market. So it just depends on like where we're at. But the knowledge, when people want to get tapped in, they're usually further down the road or have already
1: transitioned. Mm-hmm. Are you are you um are you on the East Coast? Or are
2: you uh, near Lejeune? Yeah, I'm actually back at uh, um, I'm back at Paris Island and I'm working over on the okay. Marine Corps Air Station on Beaufort here. So I'm the logistics okay. chief for H uh, and H S right now. So what
1: what what is your as a real estate agent? Do you have a high I would say turnover rate where you got a lot of Marines coming in looking for houses, a lot of Marines leaving? Oh, yeah. Do do you know? Are you like the the guy that they go to? Like, oh yeah, just call them like.
2: Yeah, like the plug for
1: a lot for a lot
0: yeah.
2: of it. Well, I I mean, I a a lot of people would think so. I would think so. But like contrarily, not really. Um, mm. people get lost in um, you know, maybe things people they may see on social media which work behind the scenes. I know some of these individuals aren't as, you know, great as they think they may be, you know. Um mm. but really and truly uh I'm not really necessarily like the go-to guy in my area, but I'm I'm known for doing good work. I'm known for making things happen, and also a lot of my clients have been just referrals from other people that I've worked with, telling them yeah. like, "Hey, like I know you've uh thinking about buying some stuff, but here," or "I know you probably had a, a bad experience, but here." he is brought like this dude's awesome. And then, so we talk, we have a conversation and generally once I speak to them, then, you know, it's all good from there. So a lot of my referrals just literally been from people. I don't even know. And like, I've never met, and I would think like I would have a lot of more crossing paths with people that I did know, but not,
1: not really. really. Um, So, so are we still going for the 20 years?
2: Yeah, uh going on for the twenty years, uh I'm 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 rolling it through. I mean, I for me it's a lot it has a lot to deal with my competitive nature because I've always looked at this as a sport when I first came in, which is weird. But I've always been a I just always been big in the sports and competing. Mm-hmm. So um I never had like envy or jealousy of anybody or nothing like that. You you know me, so you know there's never been yeah. nothing to me. I always you know, hey. Hideaway would like always been good time. Yeah. So. I, I can tell you I've never been a
1: jealous person, right? Like I'm always yeah. happy when you or, or Thomas or some or, or you know, I even seen yeah. uh I seen Pawn not too long ago. You know, yeah. I'm always excited. But you know, I think a, a little back they would look like they were like, you know what? Uh like what if? You know, yeah. I think a lot of that happens with a lot of people. Do you ever find yourself saying, uh what if I had did this and did this full time? Or do you think you're good where you're at?
2: Uh, I think I'm. I think I'm good where I'm at because I had a. I had one situation where, like, just in life in general, like, I wanted to do something. Like, I had an idea, and I didn't act on it. Right, and like mm-hmm. by not acting on it, like, I missed out on like a lot of capital. I missed out on a lot of like opportunity. Where if I would have acted on it in that moment of time, in that in that capacity where all that was connecting, it mm-hmm. would have been great. So really for me is because of that, I've learned to appreciate the seasons that I'm operating in, the times of life where I'm currently at and, and making the most out of every single opportunity. Which is why I still hang around the Marine Corps. So it's like I I'm truly am in a point and at a point in the Marine Corps where it's how can I continuously be the best of me that I can be and to be that leader for the Marines who haven't had that type of leadership, who hasn't had right. someone like me to come across them or who you know, maybe somebody we wanted when we were PFCs and corporals. So that's why Mm -hmm. I stick around, especially at this point. It's just really about, it's about the Marines really for me when it comes to the Marine Corps. It's just about the Dream Marines and those who I, I always say I work for them. They don't work for me. So those who I work for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, Every senior leader says that. (laughs) I mean, it's it's a true thing. I mean, because at the end of the day, uh, the way I look at it is You can go, you can go to work and you can literally go there and punch a clock and, you know, knock out your taskers and go on whatever means you got to go to and that could be it. Or you can go there and you could be the spearhead for all of these individuals who have things that they need someone to help guide them through and help get it taken care of. And, you know, just like we were talking about with the VA loan, like how come, like, so many people don't know about, like, the benefits just of that one benefit alone. Like, we got so many Marines, especially now, these kids coming up through this generation of tech, they don't know how to deal with everyday, normal life things. Like, mm-hmm, right. something, you know, something happens that could be very normal in our way of growing up. That's not normal to them. And they need help so-
1: if you could give us before we I got about like two more questions before we wrap up but if you could give a little bit more information about the va home loan right because i for those that don't have one is there a minimum credit score for a va home loan
2: so most time uh, um it really it really depends on the lender but if you look up a lot of information like a lot of information out there like some will say like there's really no minimum score. But to be quite honest, frank with you, most lenders that I've I've seen it at times where they approve maybe like six twenties, six hundreds. I even seen like a five ninety five. But a lot of that is really dependent on because the credit score is so many factors. So a lot of that right. is really dependent on the debt to income ratio. That's really gonna um break out like okay what can the banks really do for you or not even what can they do for you based off of this data what do they want to do for you um what are they comfortable lending um so i always tell my people like regardless of whatever thing you looked up on whether it's credit karma or whatever app you looked up don't get too wrapped up in that mm-hmm. i mean Great to use as a baseline if you want to use that, like kind of get an idea, but it's always great to talk to a lender when you get into that point where you think like, hey, you know what? I want to try this or at least get to see where you are, talk to your life and, and go ahead and let them run everything so you can see where you stand and where you need to be. That way you can establish the goal of where you need to get to. But every but every lender is different. So that's why I say like it, it's just it's just very important that you talk with that lender, that loan officer, okay. or that loan, at least to get where you need to be. Cause I mean so that, happened, not a- that happened to me when I bought my second property, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, you know, <laughs> of course <laughs> that was funny. So like I had just bought like I bought like a new car and I had bought some other stuff, and then they were like, Oh uh, man, your debt to income ratio is your credit scores look great, but we can't approve this. Sold all it, boom. No, bye. No, mm. <laughs> like, and then after like another like thirty or forty five days, uh, once my credit score, I mean, not necessarily the score updated, but but then, once the
1: report updated,
2: once the report updated, they're like, oh yeah, we'll give you three hundred thousand dollars. You know, here to go. And then I had a client one time. It was like, yeah, they told her, like, yeah, if you just pay this much down on this, you pay this much down on that. Because a lot of times we'll think, oh, we just need to pay everything off. No, like, if you pay this much down on this and this much down on that, and maybe pay this off, then yeah, we can make we can make it work. And then, like, she got like $360,000 or four hundred dollars whatever it was, unlocked for her to use. So... Yeah. Yeah, talking to those lenders are important. Mm. Okay. And uh, Brita, do you have any other questions?
0: So I have have one last question. Before we went on air, we were talking a little bit about um, Veterans Day and kind of the for lack of a better word, like awkwardness that specifically Mm -hmm. Jamal, but other veterans have expressed when, you know, people are like, thank you for your service and they don't want to have this inflated sense of self or really don't even want to be recognized because that's the only day they feel like they are recognized in certain circumstances. Um, So as far as um, what that looks like, um, one of the things that, someone told me at a veterans event is what they always respond with is thank you for your support. So when, you know, someone's like, thank you for your service, their response is thank you for your support. So how has um, the support been in the area you are? How do you feel military support is in your area? And then the other thing is that I always kind of joke around with Jamal and you can say if you feel like there's any validity to this statement, but I always say that he's dark skinned white. So in the world once they find out he's military he gets a separate pass of you know mm-hmm. your average nigga um <laughs> so mm. do you do you see that in in your everyday civilian life um, yeah like- I mean,
2: yeah yeah i definitely um, i mean not, i don't i don't think there's no one on the planet can say like they've never like experienced it like yeah that is like kind of like the number one like i i mean you can just do it any other time. Like you just, you can do it in whatever town or wherever you at. You can just wear regular clothes and see how you're treated, and then you can just throw on, you know, your uniform, and then, you know, throw on your, you know, dress uniform and go to the airport and watch how you treated. It's, it's just way different. It's just, it's just totally different. Um, but um, and as far as like the support, yeah, yeah that's huge. Um, thank you for your support. I think that's huge because you know, whether what aisle you sit on um, when it comes to um, our world and where we are and and no matter what state you live in, things and climates and um, wherever people may land is just very different. So there's not always support for the military, but there's truly one factor that um, brings a lot of people together is that's having some sort of relative or somebody before or somebody actively in their life that's serving. So, and a lot of individuals who don't really support that, they don't have that kind of going on, or maybe it's a little trauma, but they don't have that going on in their life. So they're not able to really connect with it. And they still, regardless of values, beliefs, systems, wherever they come from, it still support. So when you have those that out there, supports the military it's huge because people are, I mean, there's plane crashes happening, there's mishaps happening, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, incidental fires, um, just people getting hurt all the time, vehicle rollovers. There's a lot of things that happen on bases and a lot of things that happen in military families that people don't really know or understand what's going on, and it doesn't necessarily yeah. hit headlines because it may not just be the flavor for the week. So yeah. that's why the support and um, telling individuals thank you for their support is huge because it does mean a lot, and it means a lot to those
0: uh, service members and their families for sure.
1: Yeah,
2: I, I I tell them you're
1: welcome when people say thank you for your service. I say you're yeah, welcome.
0: I know, and that that inflated sense of self <laughs> does not affect <laughs> you in any way, shape, or form. Nope, no. Nah, Feed like your it. ego. I know. I did
1: look, I did this for a reason. I did this <laughs> so I could get my free meals uh, once a year at IHOP. Yeah, that's why I did this. Uh, But I often have to fight myself coming through the airport. Um, You know, I go through Charlotte a lot um, because my wife is from Gastonia. And just watching all the kids come through in their Alphas or in their Charlies. And I'm just like, I'm not in anymore. I don't care. I'm not in anymore. I don't care. Fuck. Hey, man, come here real quick. Hey, bro. Like, look, fix this. All right, look. Ty goes here, bro. Take that jacket off because you look stupid. Fix this, bro. Look, you understand where you're at. This is Charlotte. You know how many bases are near Charlotte's airport or fucking uh, Jacksonville's fucking airport? At least six.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: At least, you know, every military personnel that comes through, just about 90% of people that go through Jacksonville airport are military related. So I'm like, come on, man. Y'all got to fix yourself. But neither here nor there. <laughs> We're going to wrap this thing up with our final infamous question. Brock Gaines, how old are you right now? 20, 30? Um, 30, 30. Thirty, you yeah. meet eighteen year old you. What do you tell him,
2: man? Eighteen year old me, um, just I would honestly tell him to keep keep the goals, the goals. Keep the pedal to the metal, but most importantly, don't take moments and don't take uh, people in your life uh, for granted and. The reason why I say I would tell myself that is because I've had so many people like yourself in moments like me and you had uh mm, I mean yeah. so many moments with Marines and people in general around the globe where um like those times, those individuals were in my life, and we had like the moments that we had were great, phenomenal, like and mm. some of the highlights. So just to cherish those a little bit more and and be more engaged. But yeah, I would definitely yeah, I tell 18 year old me to to definitely uh, cherish those moments and keep keep the pedal on the metal, man, and keep going.
1: So Yeah. I don't remember the name of the bar, but uh yeah. Uh, Fort Lee definitely right. knows us. I could tell you. Yeah,
2: right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 man. Hot, the hideaway, me, yeah. Man, and one thing about me when I was 18, like I didn't know where none of this was taking me. Like I was hoping it was gonna be somewhere like this. So that's why I say, you know, pedal to the metal of the day, but that's why I say, keep the pedal on the metal. Cause I was going hard, but I didn't know what I was going hard for. And and I'm glad glad it's been working out. So, but thank y'all. Thank you. uh, Thank you y'all for everything y'all doing uh, for us, for the culture, for just everybody worldwide. I I really appreciate y'all and thank you for having me on. Oh, man, thank you for joining us. Uh,
1: Like we said, uh, Brenda, you can go ahead and take us, you know, take us home. Take us out. All right. Take us out like you always do.
0: (laughs) So this episode and every episode is brought to you by RDI Financial. Make sure you hit up rdi-financial.com for your credit and financial needs. Um, Make sure you guys hit us up on all forms of social media. We're on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. Um, I feel like I'm Twitter. So like, follow, and subscribe on YouTube. Everywhere you listen, um, check us out. And until next time, Saturday shit talk Saturday. It will actually <laughs> be on Saturday this time. I will it will actually care. be on Saturday. Um, and then I'll be I'll be putting out the December calendar tomorrow because it's almost December. So you guys will know what's coming out. Um, But until next time, my voice doesn't want to cooperate. But stay safe, stay healthy, and stay unapologetically Black. Have a good night.
1: Gang.